Welcome back to the Policy Viz Podcast. I'm your host, John Schwabish. The final episode of, well, let's call it this school year. I'm going to take a break after this week's episode. Um, so for my last guest of this semester, it's called Semester, um, I'm very happy to have Catherine Madden uh, in person with me here in D.C. Catherine, welcome to the show. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Um, fantastic. I'm about to take a two-month break from podcasting. What are you going to do with your time? <laughs> right? I'm going to stop talking to people and just be quiet. Um, <laughs> you can't do that. I, I can't do that. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to just hang around and, you know, do, you know, other work stuff. And maybe some maybe, fun side projects. Maybe some fun side projects. Maybe some, maybe some travel. Okay. Maybe some, maybe some sleep. So, yeah. So, July and August, I'll be taking off and I'll be back in September with new guests. But cool. before we get there, we have lots to talk about. Yeah. Um, so, um, we met at Tapestry. Well, no, we met in person in Tapestry. Yeah. But I've been following you on Twitter for a while. Like, this is really cool what she does. And then I finally got to meet you and you were doing the um, the drawings of the of the talks at Tapestry. Yes. So some people call them sketch notes, but basically I doodle what people say right. in a presentation setting to help me remember, but as it turns out, other people like to look at them as well. Yeah. Then after the conference, you put all the different talks together, like one... Tapestry. Tapestry. <laughs> Super clever. And people got super excited about it. And I remember seeing people after like, how do I get this printed out? Yay. Yeah. Um, Which I've been meaning to do. Do you think people would still want a poster? I think people coming from personal experience of making a poster. I think people like the idea of posters more than actually having them. I feel the same way. Yeah. But, you know, you can always just give them the opportunity. Maybe a digital download. A digital download. There okay. you go. Yeah. That or they could, like they could print out the 5 by 7 version of it yeah. for their desk. Um, how did you get into the sketchnoting? Uh, okay, so <laughs> I went to a conference about five years ago, Tableau in Seattle. Mm-hmm. I don't remember how long ago that was, but I worked at Deloitte at the time and was super lucky to be able to go. I was one of like, you know, 20 team members that got selected. And so... The way that you communicate at any big company these days is through PowerPoint. And I knew that I was going to have to present some of the things I heard at the conference. And I knew that I did not want to use PowerPoint. Okay. And I knew that I had this cool new iPad and this app that I had downloaded called Paper. And I thought it would be fun to just like challenge myself to pick up a new tool and learn how to use the iPad drawing app. Not for any business reason, just for fun and artsy stuff. Right. But to try sketchnoting. Because I'd like seen people do it before and thought it could be interesting. And then my idea was to just compile all those into like a sweet doodle presentation mm-hmm. that I give to my team. And I had so much fun with it. And right. It was, you know, it happened very spontaneously. But sort of the only way that I know personally to learn a new skill is to really like eliminate all other options mm-hmm. and then just really dedicate and seem like the perfect time to do it. It's just like four days only working on the iPad. You have to, you have to learn this, yeah, you this have to tool right now at it yeah. for a while <laughs> yeah. and just deal with it. Cause there's like so many easier ways to do things these days. Um, but what I learned doing the sketch notes is that there's a ton of like cognitive benefits. You actually listen in a different way when mm-hmm. people are talking because you have to synthesize and really understand what they're saying as opposed to like compared to writing 
on your keyboard or typing, I guess, um, you're not actually listening when you're mm -hmm. typing, when people talk, because you're just basically, your mind is basically like transcribing. Processing. Right. You're just yeah. trying to transcribe. Exactly. So you have to switch into a much more active listening mode and way more like, I guess, attentive processing mm -hmm. to be able to synthesize information in real time and then organize it on right. a page in a way that makes sense. So that other people, when they see it, the next day. Yeah, they can, follow, they can along follow along and, you know, like know where to start and where to go along right. and, and see. And then, you know, you add pretty pictures. Right, and right. And then you make it look good. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when you came back from that Tableau conference, how did your team respond to the doodles? Uh, they thought it was pretty cool, but it, I think I got a better response on Twitter Yeah. from the people at the conference. And they were like, okay. you know, because I just started tweeting them out. That was also new to me. I'd never used Twitter before. And just found like a lot of friends online right. <laughs> as we do in the database community <laughs> and began, you know, like connecting with people through that. And because I think either you heard the content or you wish you were there, that was, you know, a much better place to, to share these. Right. Um, and there's also just this whole like tangential field to consulting called graphic facilitation. Have you heard of that? Not really. No. So it's like these people, including myself, um, that, will show up at a meeting and put big swaths of paper on the wall and they draw the conversation as they hear it happening. Yeah. So there's some people that do it more actively, like they lead the conversation and they write, and there's other people that just are sort of off to the side and they're more passively recording. Um, so this is sort of a form of that, is sketchnoting, and it's a much different medium. So it's better for large conferences where people are you know, giving presentations, but not necessarily interacting with the audience. And you want to sort of reach a broader group mm -hmm. outside of who's there in the room. But then if you use like graphic facilitation, that's super helpful to do it actually in an analog format on the wall when you're trying to like make big decisions as a group or right. like accomplish something. Together. Like, right. setting, so yeah. when you're at a conference and you draw the talk out, do you also try to incorporate questions if people are asking questions? <laughs> that depends on how much space I have at okay. the end. <laughs> so tapestry, my goal is to like basically pump out every visual by the end of the question. Mm -hmm. So when the talk is over, I basically stop listening to the questions. Yeah. And I'm just trying to like polish it up and get on Twitter and post out the image. So you're basically trying to get this done in real time. Yeah, I mean, so for tapestry, that's like that's a game I like to play because yeah. no one's paying me to do it, and so I just want to like. Because there's so much social media chatter during tapestry, right. I try to be like right on time with things. Um, but if I get paid, some like miraculously now, sometimes people pay me to show up in conferences awesome. and draw. Yeah. Um, I'll spend more time with it okay. and upload everything at the end of the day or make sure it all looks good. Right. Everything right. Like, like the tapestry thing, you were uploading basically in real time, mm -hmm. but then the full tapestry of right. all the talks, that was like a week later. Yeah, right, yeah. Right. as soon as I got around to it. <laughs> right. Um, now, you also spend time teaching people how to draw data viz and other mind mapping and all those sorts of things. You have a uh, slide. Skillshare. A Skillshare. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, you have a Skillshare course. So can you talk a little bit about the challenges of getting people to be comfortable drawing and showing their drawings to others? Yes. So I have a advantage for a couple reasons. First of all, I studied art in school. So drawing was my favorite subject and I like to draw and I've always created a notebook. And I started as a designer as like, you know, the beginning of my career and I sort of 
woven around in terms of like consulting and doing more like user experience or project management. But everything I do is just anchored in like, here's how I'm thinking about it and using a drawing. Right. So at first I just thought, why can't anyone else do this like Mm me? Um, And as I became more sort of like senior in different organizations and I had teams under me, I noticed a lot of hesitation and a lot of, um, it's fear. Like people just don't want to look stupid Mm -hmm. in front of people is essentially the biggest thing. And when you're telling someone, if you show your idea to your boss and you've drawn it, as opposed to putting together a very professional looking slide, Mm -hmm. they're going to resist that. Um, But there's two different ways that you can prove this to people. One is by making them do it and just showing them Mm -hmm. as by example that, you know, it's not actually that scary if people respond really well, but there is a author who's like a neuroscientist at Stanford. His name is Baba Shiv, and he has this theory of like the rough pitch. And he says, if you show someone a polished prototype or a polished product, they're going to quickly just look at it and only point out the flaws. Mm. And you've probably seen this before, dealt yeah, with it, where yeah. you're like, hey, I just want to get a, your feedback on this concept overall. Right. Like, don't worry about that we're missing data for seven years. Yeah, and they're like, oh, I don't like this color. Yeah, like, and ah. like, why did you put that in bold? Right, like, right. Oh, no, I just, okay. yeah. Right, like, just what about the story. idea? Yes, yeah. right. And so, even as a, like, a, in my last role at Deloitte, I was the lead UX designer and I would sort of like review everyone's dashboards and all of their work in progress. It was so hard for me, even, mm-hmm. to right. like not focus on the fact that they chose a terrible font right. or whatever. Um, so <laughs> I have this problem now in presentations because it's like, I see these terrible slides and I yeah. need to like, no, stop. And I end up not focusing on yeah. the content, which is, and I can't read yeah. an ugly slide. I just right. won't. No, it's just terrible. It's just painful. <laughs> and yet the ideas may be really good, which, which speaks to a couple of different things yes. that we don't need to cover, but so yeah. the workaround yeah. is to make it look like, can I say the S word? Uh, you, you can. You can. <laughs> Make it look like shit on purpose. <laughs> and then people will be like, okay, this is still a work in progress. And people are naturally inclined to then help build on the idea with you. Right. It's so much more effective. And, okay, so there's the, okay, from the from the receiver's point of view, right? There's like, okay, this thing looks terrible, but it's about, so now I'm concentrating on the ideas. Yes. From the the creator's position, is there also this element of, I'm not worried about how precise this is going to look. Like, I know this line graph, for example, I know this trend is going to go down. So I'm just going to sort of draw a squiggly line that's going down. Yes. And does that in some ways carry over to when you have the way you, the way you do your drawings carry over to the final product where it's like, I'm drawing this graph from this talk or, or what, or even data, but maybe the data is not that precise. Like, yeah. does the drawing help you pull away from, like, worrying about over-precision? Yeah. I mean, I experienced this a lot at Deloitte when people would ask, like, right away, where'd you get that data? Mm-hmm. And right. you're like, okay. <laughs> Again, <laughs> can we separate from, you know, the tactical and logistical things and focus on the idea? Um, and that's sort of after doing sketch noting another tangential benefit I noticed of drawing data more specifically. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, when I got bored of sketchnoting or, you know, when I just like want to try something different, um, I sort of experimented with more like 
data doodling and using observations and my surroundings and mm-hmm. like marking down, like I see 15 people walk by, you know, whatever it is. Um, yeah. And it's not precise data. You like observationally, you miss things, but it's just fun to play around with less precise. Yeah. Sort of information, right. whatever your perception of it is. But if you do need to be precise, you could still make it look hand drawn mm-hmm. just to get the right feedback. The, the, yeah. Or even like we were talking about before hitting record is like, it also just looks different. And yeah. it's kind of refreshing. No, it's certainly a different feel. Yeah. Absolutely. I had Mona Chalvi on the show a few weeks ago. Yeah, it was awesome. And, and, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, she's making very similar arguments. Do you, and I'm going to guess you do agree with this idea that if I draw a bar chart, that the reader of that also feels like, well, is not is not saying, oh, well, this number is super precise because it has that hand-drawn look or feel to it. Yeah. I mean, I guess to me, that's just like less interesting I think, yes, psychologically, you will know this was created by a human being. Yeah. And if there's, like, chart lines behind it, like, they did their best approximation. Yeah. But, like, you know. But it's not 3.015. I don't have to take this for, right. Hopefully, if you're doing that, you're not making, like, a life or death decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, sure, sure, right? sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's more interesting to me about the drawing of charts particularly, for example, if you're an analyst or a data scientist, you know your data pretty well. And you know you can bring it into Tableau and you can create a bunch of visuals. Mm-hmm. But you are constrained to like the number of visuals that are in that tray and then however many hacks you know to right. create like another the thing type. you want to create. Yes. Right. And if you sort of eliminate that constraint of yeah. all those different possibilities and only think about like what's in your mind, yeah. you're gonna have more ideas and different ideas that Perhaps then you can figure out how to bring back into Tableau and make mm-hmm. later. Um, I can't tell you how many times I would like sketch something out of the whiteboard at Deloitte and the developer who I was sitting with just like like just shrinking down there. Like, no, 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 don't tell me to make this now. <laughs> but right. there's a way. And if you yeah. start on paper, you just you what you end up with doesn't look like every other dashboard you've ever seen. Yeah, because you're thinking creatively without the confines of the tool. Exactly. Right. The same thing with PowerPoint and Excel. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you mentioned the paper app. Yes. Which is one of the many tools I think that you use. Mm-hmm. When you're working on the paper app, do you think of that as analog or do you think of that <laughs> as digital or is it analog digital? Do you have a new word for it? We need to come up yes, with a new word yes. for it. <laughs> so the one that I, I think best works is manual, but I don't know what the opposition word is, right? Because digital means, in my mind, a computer is thinking of what to create. Right. Um, and analog would be, I'm thinking of what to create, but also physically, physically on doing physical it. paper, right. not paper, paper app. app. Right. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So perhaps manual works, but I think there is like a gap between I'm creating something with my hand, but on a digital screen. Yeah. Um, and I mean, there's a lot of people that just make it or, or prefer, you know, to draw in like a standard moleskin notebook, mm-hmm. but and I used to be that way. I have like thousands of sketchbooks, mm-hmm. but it's so darn convenient yeah. to have everything in one thing on a little device. Do you want Do you want to talk about some of the things you really like about? It doesn't have to be about paper, but I know because I know you use a bunch of different tools. Do you want to talk about some of the things that you really like about those tools? Yeah, um, and this is something. I mean, maybe we can link to it with the show. Yeah, like I I gave a talk at Tapestry two years ago where I demonstrated some of these things in paper. Um, so. First and foremost, 
you're just going to be more creative than you are using Tableau or Excel to start. Or, yeah. Or, yeah. Um, but then second, you get more creative because you can sort of, you know, play around with things and manipulate them and try different colors and just like make it look different or throw it all out because it's just a drawing yeah, and then start yeah. over. And so yeah. much about creativity is just producing more than you think. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the last thing is the speed uh, because this takes a little bit of muscle memory and it does take a little while to build up the skill. But for example, in paper, you can draw one person. Let's say a person is representing like a hundred people and then you can duplicate that shape and, you know, kind of just using a touch gesture, create 10 of those and then circle that and duplicate that. So you have a hundred and you did, you drew a hundred people in two seconds. Right. And then you can just use like huge fills, you know, create a background of color behind something or there's what's really cool about paper is they have this diagramming technique, which basically auto corrects your drawing and Mm. makes it look like snaps to an actual shape. Okay. So that's, you know, why I'm drawn to paper. It's, it's a simple app. It's got a lot of power once you've gotten used to it. Yeah. And most of the other drawing apps on the iPad are for like artists who want to make you know, beautiful replicas right. of a portrait Maybe of their dog. Right. Yeah. And you're using the Apple pen, Apple pencil. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so before I move on to, I wanted to ask about um, some of the things you tell people who are not comfortable drawing. But before mm-hmm. I do that, uh, one more thing about tools. So can you talk a little bit about moving the drawings from the iPad over to a desktop where you may want to be, you know, putting into something else into Illustrator or InDesign or, or you're doing the final touches? Like how, what is that process like? Um, so for the most part, all of the drawing apps that are available export in a number of formats. So when working in paper, the preferable thing for me is to just do all of the editing manipulation right in the app. Mm. And then you can either export it to individual images, a PDF, or actually exports to PowerPoint slides. So each slide is the dimensions of the iPad screen with a PNG image Mm. on top. Which then you can like nicely add like annotations. If say you created like a wireframe and you're not comfortable with your handwriting, you right. could draw but the wireframe and yeah, type like, the text. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, and then one thing I was showing you earlier that is fun and everyone should know about yeah. if you use Adobe Illustrator at all is an app called Adobe Draw, which takes what you create on the screen with Apple Pencil and then exports it to Illustrator and everything is vector in a vector format. So there's tons and tons of anchor points on the screen, but it you can then resize it, recolor. Yeah. yeah, it's it's pretty powerful. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, just so people have some other ideas or alternatives, what are some of the other apps that you that you like or use or one that's uh, pretty cool in terms of marking up documents, like say you get a mock-up for a PowerPoint slide or something, I like to use Notability. Mm-hmm. It's good at reading different file formats like PowerPoint or Word. Um, and you can just basically draw on top of things. And that's pretty nice. I mean, you can do that with most drawing apps, but Notability also has like the document organization mm-hmm. and stuff. So that's better for like if you're more of an Evernote type of okay. user. Okay. I think there is an Evernotes-ish app, but Ish. I've never used yeah. it. Um, <laughs> And then for the non-iPad users, I've heard that Leonardo is a really good drawing app for the Surface. I haven't tried okay. it. Yeah. Okay. Well, those are some good ones that people can check out. Mm-hmm. Um, the last thing I wanted to ask you about is 
when you are teaching people to draw or encouraging them to draw and they push back because they say, well, I'm not a very good artist. I don't know how to draw. Like, how do you get people over that, that barrier, over that hump of anyone can draw or you don't need to be embarrassed that, you know, you didn't go to art school? Yeah. So I emphasize first and foremost, it's important to think about drawing the verb and not drawing the noun. So rather than focus on the outcome, which could be, you know, a beautiful drawing of a lily that you did in kindergarten and you put on the fridge, think about the process and the benefits that you will gain from that. And we've talked a lot about all of those different benefits, but you're just going to have a better outcome. Like at the end, whether it's a drawing or a Tableau dashboard Mm -hmm. or whatever you create. Um, And then the second thing is, it doesn't actually have to look realistic. So it just has to represent cognitively a basic concept that people will understand. And there is an author that people either may know or might want to check out. His name is Dan Rome. And he and a bunch of other people in the visual thinking space use this concept of a visual alphabet. So basically if you start drawing with only a circle, a square, a triangle, a line, and a dot, and maybe like a couple other simple shapes. Mm-hmm. You can draw anything. Mm-hmm. You can draw like, I mean, obviously you could draw a bar chart or a line yeah, chart, yeah. but you could also draw a horse and people will get it. Mm-hmm. They don't need to see every detail of like the figure right. of a certain. The shape The shape is enough. Yes. The, the basic shape. The combination. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, that's something that is an easy place to start. Okay. For most people. And just like anything else, drawing is not a talent. It's not a gift. It's, <laughs> it is a skill. Just like learning how to swing a golf club, the more times you do it, the better you get. So when I mentioned like the only way I could actually teach myself how to use paper, I had to force myself to only use paper. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where you run into problems. If you've got like a deadline and you're like, I think I want to try out this new thing. I want to try drawing. That's, this is not the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, but setting aside maybe a, a side project or thinking about something that's like less pressure as a place to start and just actually committing to it would be mm-hmm. what I would suggest. All right. And, you know, like just whiteboarding with colleagues. Yeah. I mean, so what I hear a lot is a designer goes to talk to a researcher about the visuals in a paper. And the, re- and the graphic designer will say, well, can you draw it for me? I don't quite understand. And the researcher will say, well, I'm not a, I'm not a designer. I'm not an illustrator. I don't really know how to do that. Like those are the sorts of tensions that I hear about all the time yeah. where this message of it doesn't need to be polished. You need to just draw it for me so I can get the message and get the, yeah. get the understanding. Yeah. Um, People resist that. And I especially yeah. think like when you have the title designer, everyone expects you to just like whip out these amazing ideas out of nowhere and you're like okay i'm not an expert in like insurance markets okay like you have to take the time to explain that to me and share with me how people in the insurance field typically like to communicate or understand information and tell me how you think your information should look and then i have a great starting point and i can make it either better or different but like fundamentally you have to make the effort and what I'm like sort of recently fascinated by is I feel like this like whole role-based teamwork, what I hope is happening now, but I've been freelancing for two years. So I don't (laughs) really know (laughs) Um, is that there's like the roles are blending because Mm -hmm. everyone is everything. And 
some designers will be really resistant to this statement, but everyone is a designer mm-hmm. and they have to be. Um, likewise, I bet some people would bristle if I said everyone's a data analyst, right. but like whether you want to be or not, you're doing data analysis. I don't know if everyone is sort of everything, because I think, I think in some ways that's what we want things to be. And I think even people in organizations want that to be. But then at the end of the day, it's like, I have to go yeah. do this thing now, right? Yeah. But and who's going to do what? Right. And yeah. who's going to do what? Because you, not everybody can be everything every day. Right. Because stuff has to get done. And, you know, the designer is going to be 10 times as fast as doing that thing in Illustrator. Yeah. Because she's been doing it forever, right? Um, she or he. Or he. I was trying to, you know. Um, it's a he here. Yeah. You oh, actually, we have a he and a she yeah. here. So, um, but I think in general, at least the idea of people understanding and respecting what these other skill sets are yeah. is really important. Like to be able to say to a web developer, for example, can you create this website for me? And not to say to that person, can you create this website for me by the end of the day? Oh, it shouldn't take you very long. Right. It shouldn't take you very yeah. long. Oh, yeah. it's just easy. It's just a dashboard. Where, You're like, oh, oh is did it? you do all how of the, did you write you the, thir- yeah, how did you write the 30 page paper in <laughs> yeah. an hour? No. So I, I think, yeah, yeah. I think I see more of that coming together, a little bit more of the mutual understanding. Yeah. Um, I think that's like what. And maybe that's the first step. I think it takes a lot of time yeah. to get like the trust and the comfort and the yeah. rhythm working with a team of people to figure out like when to come together and get everyone comfortable, like dipping their toes into yeah. the different roles. But yeah, yeah, you're totally right. It's not that like, yeah, not everybody can be the head of design and not yeah. everybody can be the head data analyst or head data scientist, Yeah, but, but everybody can at least appreciate the skills and the, and the demands involved in these different. Yes. Yeah, so you have to, appreciate what other people do, but you also have to relinquish some of the control yeah. that you feel like you hold. Yeah. And I think designers, especially, uh, I was going to say researchers, especially. Okay. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, well, this is my 30 page paper and yeah. I wrote it and this is my graph and just put the right color on it. Right. Yeah. And it's like, and just make it pretty, just make it pretty. Yeah. And so, yeah. So love the, it goes both ways. Yeah. Um, Great. Um, well, thanks for coming on the show. Um, Thank you for having me. Always fun to see you. I know. And uh, if you're on the West Coast, uh, Catherine's moving to San Francisco what? this summer. <laughs> so um, you should drop her a line and um, have her come to your conference or... I also still speak to people on the East Coast. She'll, she'll still speak to us on the East Coast. <laughs> just it's There's just a time delay. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so West Coast peeps, you're going to have a new uh, fun date of his... Sketching, graphic designer. There's no all around. There's no one. I do. There's everything. no. You do everything. There's no one term that describes you. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for coming on the show. This is great. Thanks for having me. And thanks to everyone for tuning in to this week's episode. So this will be the last episode uh, for the summer. Um, I'll be back in September with a whole new slate of guests. So I hope you have a great summer. And thanks for tuning in. If you have comments on the show, please. Uh, do get in touch on the website or on Twitter. If you have thoughts on other apps that you like to draw or other processes or workflows that you have, please do let me, let Catherine know. So uh, again, this has been the Policy of His Podcast. Thanks a lot for listening. <laughs>